Christ is better, Christ is superior, Christ is perfect, and we get to jump into a series today through the book of Hebrews in order to be able to speak about that. But first, I want to do this. I need to give you an announcement. Um, over the last couple of years, uh, did I announce my, I'm Joel, by the way, if you're new here, it's good to have you. Um, <laughs> no, I was like, you didn't even tell people who you were. I don't care if you remember my name, let's remember the name of Jesus, yes? Um, the... Uh, over the last couple of years, the elders here at the church have been praying and praying and praying about what it looks like to be able to be a part, if God would allow it, to take more ground for territory for the kingdom of God. And what that means is we are looking at now launching a new site in Jamestown. Um, Jamestown is not far away, so that will literally be a site of Chapel Point. If it's farther than that, a lot of times we'll, we may start a site and it just, in time, it just becomes its own thing. Um, but we just want the kingdom of God to grow. But being in Jamestown, there's a lot of people who live over there that are even here in this room right now. So we're looking at launching a site in Jamestown. Um, we need your prayer uh, because hopefully even by next Sunday, we'll be able to share, your, share that location with you and even have some renderings and some drawings that we may share with you as well. And we need you to be praying about what, that will mean for you. Uh, pray for the people who will be impacted by that ministry. What we're looking at doing is it'll be live worship and absolutely everything that you would have here. Uh, the, the difference is we will simulcast the preaching in, but live worship, everything else, the same as what we're about to do in October. We're going to have another venue here so that we can have more room. We know that often, especially in the coming hour and the next worship service, we are out of room in many regards. And sometimes this place is slammed, chapel slammed. So we're starting a venue and the gym, which will also be live worship. So right there, because people we have learned, they're, they're willing to watch online uh, to learn and to, to hear a teaching. But when it comes to worship, we want it in person, right? Um, and so all of these things are happening. Be praying about what that looks like for the James, uh, Jamestown site in terms of your involvement. Maybe you want to attend that site. Professional resources that you may want to give. Um, even money toward and pledging toward that uh, purchase because we'll be purchasing an existing building, uh, buildings and then renovating. Uh, and that just the, the hearts are, are ready to really be a part of that movement of God. For whatever reason, God has just shown his grace to this ministry and we're humbled by that and we simply wanna be obedient. So literally for two years, we've been praying about it and then God said, here's, here's how to go about it because what I didn't wanna do, uh, and I should be very careful about even saying this now, is go build another one of these. I, I, I don't think that's what God wants. Uh, maybe in the future at some point, but um, there's a reason. I know that after three weeks in this building, a lot of you started telling me we built too small. I will tell you now, we did not build too small. We built what we believe God wanted us to build. And we want to just go into pockets and communities and reach every single person who goes to school, has a business, stays at home, or just twiddles their thumbs. We want to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. And we don't care about Chapel Point's name being known or anybody else's name being known. We care about the name of Jesus being made known. So will you right now, will you pray about that? Um, because it's about 12 minutes away, it's not far. And we need to really be uh, investing yourself, calling out to God and what that means. If it happens, which we'll know in detail within a week or two, 
That means very quickly we'll be coming to you and asking you to vote on that as a church and to say, yes, we're moving forward. Um, so get ready. Anybody ready for more baptisms, right? Today we think we'll have 20 to 25, maybe even 30 baptisms by the end of the day. I say we have 30 baptisms a week. How about that? Right? Can we not do that? So will you just join me? Will you stand with me for prayer right now? God, I come before you and I offer this time to you. I know you're already in this place and you're moving and doing a mighty work. And so we call out to you about Jamestown and the people that are there, that you would be preparing the hearts of the people in this church to go there, uh, even if they don't go there, to give to it, to, to allow that not to be a financial stress or a worry, but just a to get it done, to move forward so that we keep giving to worldwide missions and that we do nothing but really make sure we glorify your name, that we give honor to you. Lord, may you just prompt the generosity of your people and to prepare us now for what is coming, whether it be a venue in the gym or a sign in Jamestown or anything else that you're preparing us for. May we simply be a part of your work. We know that the world is broken, but in the darkness you shine brighter. And so for that, we are thankful. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Who's ready for the Word of God? Yes? We always want to get ready for the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 1. So here's my request. Get your Bible out, get the phone out, go to Hebrews chapter 1, and you're going to be able to camp out just on Hebrews chapter 1. Because last week you were all over the place, and I know that. Um, but Hebrews chapter 1, and as we jump in, as you turn to Hebrews chapter 1, uh, here's, the, here's the question. Has anyone ever let you know that following Jesus Christ can make life more difficult? I think sometimes we fail to teach that in the church today. Following Jesus Christ can, according to the world, make life more difficult because what happens is you're promised, according to Scripture, you are promised persecution. You are promised hardship. We don't sell that very well to all the little kids that we tell them. If you just say yes to Jesus, that's why we try. We don't do this here. If we do this here, you let me know because then we will change it. What we don't want to do is meet somebody for the first time and just say, who's a little kid, hey, if you just say yes to Jesus, you won't go to hell. You'll have eternal life. Don't you want to be baptized? It's more to it than that. We're called to not only let people know that through Jesus Christ, yes, you can be saved, but there is a discipleship and the transformation is a continual process. We continue to grow in him. We want to disciple people. And so rarely, I mean, I've, I've been to a lot of churches in the past and they just, they, they don't teach you that, that being a Christian can be hard, but yet God gives you the endurance and the perseverance and the character to be able to continue in the name of Christ. Following Jesus can make life more difficult. It can mean condemnation. It can mean punishment. But the book of Hebrews paints such a powerful picture of who Jesus is that lets you know all along the way that it's worth it. You had Jews coming to know Christ. You had people who were Gentiles coming to know Christ. Remember a very simplistic way of thinking of Gentile as simply a non-Jew. To the Jewish believers also, though, is really addressed to many of them because the Jewish believer was being persecuted and pressured by the other Jews who were not believers in Jesus Christ to go back to the Mosaic law and simply be obedient to the tradition in which they grew up with. And so here individuals calling out, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ, but some of them were undergoing persecution even from other Jews. 
And so for some, they were slipping back into Judaism, um, meaning that they were abandoning, hey, I love Jesus and look what he did for me. And because the, the people around them were just so convinced that they wanted, to, they wanted them to be a part of the, the religious system that they grew up with. And so they were receiving pressure about this. They saw the temple and the priests and the sacrificial system that they had, all the festivals and the feast, all of these things. They're like, just, just give attention to that. That'll pull you back. You don't need to worry about Jesus and you don't, don't get caught up in all that. They had this national and even a cultural pride that was linked to a religious system. And so they were trying to pull everybody back to it because they didn't want to step away from their own religious system. Yes, I know that a religious system can sometimes be a distraction and a pull from surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. It is no different in West Michigan. Whether you grew up Catholic or Presbyterian, whether you grew up CRC, RCA, doesn't matter, right? We, we are raised and brought up in a, in a system. Sometimes it says, this is what you do. Here are all the traditions and here are all of our preferences and just be obedient to that because honestly, when you step out and then surrender your life to Jesus Christ, it is often viewed as a threatening thing to those around you who are married to a tradition and a system rather than married to a Lord and a Savior. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So there's a struggle that we have. And that's what was happening then. They stepped away from this system that like, oh, this is how you have to do it. And you, you, this is all the laws and the rules and everything else that has to be followed. And yes, we need to be obedient to the word of God, but there's freedom and grace. And it's beautiful to see, to surrender your life to him. And so they're trying to pull these individuals back into this system. And so one of the things that the letter of Hebrews does is it encourages the Jewish Christians who are coming under this religious pressure, religious attacks. It was encouraging them. Now, in terms of the author of Hebrew, we're, we're not entirely sure who it is. Many think Paul. I believe it was Paul because so, so much of the language is similar to other things that he wrote, but we're not positive on that. Um, even in the time frame of its writing, I, I think if it is Paul, he would have mentioned the destruction of the temple, and he did not. So I'm going to tell you it was written in the mid-60s, 63 to 68, something like that. Um, because I do believe Paul would have mentioned the destruction of the temple that happened in 70, if that were the case, and he does not. Um, and so here we've got this amazing letter being written to people. And instead of being built on this foundation of tradition and a foundation of legalism and a, a foundation of priest and the temple, their foundation was now, Ephesians 2 even, built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. And he's encouraging them. Before we jump into the first verse, can I ask you, what is your faith built on? Like, what's the foundation of your faith? I can tell you now, it's not, for me, it's not this place. It's a nice resource. 
I'm the guy, give me a microphone and a big field, and I'm happy. Like, let's just preach the gospel. I don't even need the microphone. Give me a Bible. Let's go. But what truly, I mean, that's a, that's a hard question you would have to really evaluate and not just say what you believe is the right answer, but evaluate your heart. What is your faith built on? What is the foundation of your faith? What, what does that look like for you? What if a building was leveled? Is your faith built on something that is eternal? And the author of Hebrews is declaring who Jesus Christ is, wanting them to make sure that their faith is built on him. One of the primary points of Hebrews, one of them, is that something marvelous and beyond our understanding happened in the coming of the Son of God. And it develops a theme about Jesus Christ. And the more you know about Christ, the more it changes you. In fact, this is how I would say it, is a knowledge of Jesus provides the goal of life. A knowledge of Jesus provides the goal of life, which is to live a life surrendered to the superiority of Jesus. The more you grow in your knowledge of Jesus, the more you recognize his superiority, the more you recognize that he is better than anything else. He is greater than anything else. He is perfect. And so as you grow in your knowledge of Jesus Christ, you want to live a life that's fully surrendered to him, not to your traditions, not to your preferences, not to your religious system, but you're just sold out for Jesus no matter what. That foundation cannot be removed. It cannot be shaken. It cannot be destroyed. And so you surrender to him. That's what it looks like. That's what Hebrews is going to do for us. And so I want to start reading Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. And we're just going to walk through the first four chapters today. So I want to see if you're there. You're not there. Wake up. I'm not going through four chapters. We, we all know we would be here until the worship night. So Hebrews chapter 1, going through the first four verses, that's all. Here it says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has, also, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact, exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. It paints a, a picture of who Jesus is. And actually these first four verses so in Hebrews, just one sentence. So for us, it'd be a giant run-on that introduces Jesus Christ. And right away, I'm just going to walk through who it tells us who Jesus is. Because remember, the more you have a, a greater knowledge of Jesus, the more you want to surrender to Jesus. And this is what it tells us about who he is. It says, very simply, that God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. We know this. And that he is heir to all things. One way to think about it is this. Is that Christ is greater than any other revelation. 
Christ is greater than any other revelation. That he's heir to all things. He is the great prophet, the high priest, and the king of kings. Remember from a week ago, a prophet would foretell the truth that was to come. Well, Jesus is the truth to come, and God has now used his son to speak to us. What's it mean that he's heir to all things? It means he owns it all. Everything belongs to him. It is all entrusted to him. You can not like it. You can deny it, but it is the truth. It's called the deity of Christ. And that's a theme that also that you're going to see throughout the book of Hebrews is the deity of Christ. In fact, I will tell you now that the deity of Christ, the understanding that Christ was both fully human and fully divine, that he came physically, even though he was already in existence, he came physically 2,000 years ago, will be one of the greatest controversies until Christ returns. Why? Because we live in a world in which we desire to understand something fully before we believe in it. But we also know from the previous series that if you can fully believe or fully understand who God is, your God is way too small because you have a limited capability. The deity of Christ is one of the most crucial aspects of Christianity. It is going to continually be under attack by any and all people who desire to live according to the sin and according to flesh rather than according to the will of God. The deity of Christ means that Jesus is equal to and identical with God. So Jesus is not a nice token that you profess in that hopefully only links you to the Heavenly Father. But Jesus Christ is equal to and identical with God. And as the Son, he is distinct from the Father. Yet he is in an identical being with the Father and the Holy Spirit at the same time. He is creator, he is judge, and he is savior. And so, yes, in the last days it says he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through him also he created the world the book of Genesis tells us that God spoke the world into existence. We read that the sun holds all things together. It tells us in verse 3 that he is the radiance of the glory of God. The infinite value, worth, power, and authority of God is in Jesus Christ. The radiance, I, I think about you know, some people, you've seen those, uh, people have kids and sometimes I even look at my daughters and I, the older my daughters get, sometimes I even get caught off guard. I'll see a picture. I'm like, oh my, I'm like, for a moment, I think it's my wife because more and more they look just like my wife. And I'm like, wow. And it just throws, it throws you off. Well, think about it like this, the radiance of the glory of God Listen, it's going to tell us that Jesus Christ is the exact imprint of God. The radiance of the glory of God. He holds all things together and the infinite value, worth, power, and authority of God is in Jesus. Does he have that place of authority in your life? And Jesus he reveals the power and the glory of God, the splendor of God. Jesus, by becoming a man, he made God's person known to us. The Son has purged our sins. It tells us, listen to this, Hebrews 1, 
It says he is, verse 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The sacrificial system that the Jews were brought into for years and yet hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years wasn't working. He said they needed the perfect sacrifice. So he stepped into this place. He gave his life as the perfect lamb. And he offered purification of sins. And then he took his rightful place at the right hand of the Father. It's a mighty thing to think about. The Son, having finished his work of redemption, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You have it in Psalm 110, also in Romans chapter 8. You see that very thing. says, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. I mean, that's, that's verse 4. This is just painting a picture so that your knowledge of Jesus, I, I'm really hoping that it helps you to question, who do you really believe Jesus to be? Because if we increase in our knowledge of Christ, we then know we will have a greater desire to surrender to him. Tells us that he's having become, he's superior to angels. Right? Angels are wonderful spiritual beings, yes, but they were not appointed heir of all things. Nor will they sit at the right hand of God. Here's another way to think about the purpose of the letter of Hebrews anything other than Christ is less than Christ. Anything other than Christ is less than Christ. Anything other than Christ is less than Christ. So if you give your heart, give your mind, give your energy, give your resources to anything other than Christ, it's less than giving those things to Christ. Jesus is always better. The book of Hebrews seeks to have the believer make a total commitment to Christ because the author knows that Jesus is always better. Anything other than Christ is less than Christ, no matter what it is. That's why 13 times we see in the book of Hebrews the words, let us. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, it's one of the key passages um, I would tell you Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. I would also tell you Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. That's why we're going to be asking, you're going to be hearing from Hebrews 12 a lot because we're going to be asking everyone to memorize that passage of Hebrews 12, 2. That speaks about looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the Christ, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It paints a picture, once again, of who he is, and it lets you evaluate if you've made a total commitment to him. But Jesus is always better. And in Hebrews 6, 1, let us, he tells us, says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. 
elementary doctrine, meaning, oh, the idea of just we're good the way we are and we just kind of keep going. Like, he's saying, no, it's more than that. The doctrine of Christ could move to that with maturity, not laying a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. And he keeps going. It's like, hey, let us keep moving. Transformation is that continual process. Let's do this. That's another way of saying it. Over and over, 13 times we see, let us do this then. If we really understand and, and have a knowledge of Jesus, let's, let us do this. Let's do this together. Let's move forward in the name of Jesus Christ. Christ is always better. The word better for Christ is used 13 times also in the book of Hebrews. He's better. Let us 13 times move toward Christ. Why? Because he, Christ is better. And that word in Greek, it means he is higher than. He is better than. He is higher in rank. He is more prominent than anything else. Another word that is used similar amounts of time is the word perfect. Christ is perfect. It carries the idea that all things are complete in him. He is better. And if Christ is better, perfect, if you really are in a place in your own life that you go, man, okay, you need to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is greater than anything else. If you're in that place, you go, man, Christ, okay, I just pretend that you go, Jesus is more important. Jesus is greater. Jesus is better. Jesus is more superior than anything else in my life. If that's the case, what do you need to then do in order to demonstrate that? Well, I mentioned last week, uh, Matthew chapter 22, 36. We already know that that's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. That's part of what we can do. But what else can we do? If he really is greater, and I'm going to give you so I'm not doing very many verses today. I want to give you three things I want to challenge you with today if you're a believer in Jesus Christ to do these three things. If you believe, anybody here believe that Jesus is better than anything else? Just raise a hand. Wow. That's a lot of you. I wasn't expecting anything different. But that's a lot of you. So if you believe that Jesus is better than anything else, I'm going to ask that you do these three things. One, I'm going to ask that today, this week, you kill a specific sin in your life. Um, I had about seven, I think there's seven guys in my garage the other day were working out. And uh, I call it lots of fun. They call it not lots of fun. Um, and uh, it's just an enjoyable time. So we're, we're there. And I just called out. I just started looking at every single person. I was like, what's the greatest thing you're struggling with right now? And they would say something. And then I would just start praying over them as we're working out. We're doing push-ups or we're doing bench press or squats or whatever. And I'm praying for them um, about that specific sin. If you believe that Jesus is better than anything else, and you're going to identify the sin in your life and you're going to surrender it to him, because you know that what does sin do? What? It separates us from God. 
You can't tell me that you believe that Jesus is greater and then to allow sin to remain in your life that you know separates you from him. And so I'm going to ask that you identify that you kill a specific sin in your life. Romans 8, 12, and 13, it says, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. I keep sharing this. The third time I've shared this passage is the last five weeks. We have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. So I'm going to encourage you to identify a sin in your life. Call it out to Christ. Surrender it to him. Second thing, if you believe that Christ is better, if you believe Christ is better, raise your hand again. See if the same number of people are like, oh, you just said sin. Then I'm going to invite you to increase your knowledge. What you're going to be given as you leave today is a reading plan of the book of Hebrews. You can tell I went through Exodus for a long time. Reading plan of Hebrews, 30 days. It's only 13 chapters. It breaks it down for you. It even gives you, I know there's a lot of people who like to mark off the boxes. There's a box for you to mark off. All right, did that just for some of you guys. Take it, read through it. I'm going to challenge you to read through it probably four or five times by the time we get through this series. But it's a 30-day plan. Because we know that as you increase your knowledge of Christ, that he is greater, that he is better, that he is more superior. As you recognize that, then you desire to live a life that is more surrendered to him. So I'm going to invite you to not only identify and to kill a specific sin in your life, to to declare it, to offer it up, but to increase your knowledge of who Jesus Christ is by reading through the book of Hebrews. And then here's the third thing I'm going to invite you to do. Anybody else uh, who still believes that Jesus is better? Anybody? Okay, only three less. That's good. I did a quick count. If you believe that Jesus is better than all else, there's no possible way you're not sharing about his greatness. I, I, don't, I don't get it. Jesus Christ came to die for all people so that no matter what you've done or where you've been, who you are, Jesus Christ loves you and wants to redeem you and to allow you to have an eternal relationship with him that's not just about eternity but living with endurance and perseverance and hope and comfort right now and then you choose to remain muzzled about telling other people about that? Not possible. An unwillingness to share about Christ is one of the greatest signs that you may not know him. So you not only identify and kill a specific sin, but you increase your knowledge and then you share of his greatness. So I'm going to invite you to tell three people one of two things. Do one, of, one of two things. I, I say this often. Either tell people about what God's doing currently in your life. Hey, can I tell you what God's doing in my life right now? Right? You've heard this before. I'm going to keep doing it. I think it's an easy way for everybody to share their faith and to share about who God is. Can I, oh man, you come on. Can I tell you what God's doing in my life right now? It's crazy. What? What's that? 
And you just tell him, man, as I read through the book of Hebrews, I'm just seeing this picture of who he is. And I just want to live a life more surrendered to him because I'm recognizing the brokenness of the world and all the things that are happening. There really is only one answer. His name is Jesus. Or you can look at someone and say, hey, how can I pray for you? Because my God loves you and wants to hear your prayer. How can I pray for you right now? And you pray for him right then. We say this all the time. I love the stories that I get about people who said, hey, I prayed for my first person today in the Isle of Mire. I love the stories that I get of sometimes people, I've never been to your church before, but some guy just prayed for me out loud and that's never happened to me in my life. Whatever you're doing, thank you. And so I'm inviting you, if you believe that Jesus is better than all else, then identify a sin in your life because we know that sin separates you from him. Identify it, kill that sin, increase your knowledge by reading through the book of Hebrews and then share of his greatness. Because the Jesus I know, the Jesus I love is worth it. But this is how I would like to even conclude today. I want to tell you about who my Jesus is according to Hebrews chapter 1. And then I'm going to challenge you to whether or not you believe in the same Jesus that I know. I want to paint a picture of who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the heir to all things. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, the creator of all things. Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus has given purification of sin, the very thing that you cannot do for self, Jesus has done for you through his blood and through his body and through his sacrifice. That is Jesus. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is superior to angels and he is the author and the perfecter of my faith in which I will not step away from. Jesus is more. That's who my Jesus is, but Jesus is more than that. Jesus is the King of Kings, amen? Jesus is the Lord of Lords, amen? And there is none like him. Jesus is unlimited in his love. Jesus is unmovable. He is the definition of grace and mercy and forgiveness, eager to forgive when you think you cannot be forgiven. Jesus is the definition of beauty and grace. Jesus is the peace that surpasses understanding. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the Bread of Life. He is the Gate. He is the Good Shepherd. Jesus is powerful and the heavens cannot contain Him. He is the only way to life. He is the light of the world who shines in the darkest of places. Jesus is care. Jesus is compassion. Jesus is a servant. Jesus is love. He is easy to show His mercy while pointing us to the Father's standard. Jesus is prayerful. Jesus is strong. Jesus is gentle. Jesus is patient. Jesus is a man of humility, humbling himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. For you and for me, he gave his life. That's my Jesus. My Jesus is an almighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, almighty counselor. He is my God in which I will not step away from. Do you know the same Jesus that I know? Do you know the same Jesus that I know? Because here's the Jesus that I know that death couldn't hold him back, 
And guess what? The tomb was way too small for him. That's my Jesus. Do you know that Jesus is better than all else? He's better than your desires, your preferences. He's better than anything you can go on Amazon and purchase. Jesus Christ is greater than anything else. May we start living our life believing that Jesus is better than. Jesus is perfect. He is almighty. Let's surrender to him. My Jesus is worth it. Amen.